Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us about your wild conspiracy. It's on. It's now. It's here. The Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 94.9, KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. Oh, we've got a little bit of a uh, little bit of static in uh, Alan's microphone. We'll work on that here in just a second. But hey, welcome to the program. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for tuning in. I I have that intro to the program. You guys heard it. it talks about conspiracies and controversy, and, and then I have guests on who are not conspiratorial or controversial. And I'm like, okay, we need to fix that. But uh, you know what? I'm going to have you do, Alan. I'm going to have you go into that other room and use one of those microphones because this one it has like a short in it. It keeps popping in and out. So yeah, just uh, hop on in there, push the red button on mic one, and talk right into that red microphone. So I apologize for that, uh, and you'll need your headphones so you can hear us too, Alan. <laughs> anyway, I've got Alan Christensen and Jeff Kennedy from the Live Well Center here on the Andy Griffin Show. Uh, and let's see. Let's do a mic check and see if we've got to Alan with us. You there, Alan? Not yet. Red button on mic one. Try that. All right. It's not working right now. We'll get a, we'll get a commercial break in. We'll get things fixed in, in just a second. Uh Alan, any chance? I, I think we're not going to have any success right now until I go tinker with it. So you can come on back in here. <laughs> we'll figure something out. Let's talk first of all with Jeff and, and get things rolling with Jeff Kennedy. Jeff is with the Live Well Center now. You're you're uh, out of Vegas, is that right, Jeff? Yeah, I reside in Vegas, but uh, I'm up here during the week. Oh, okay. So you're here all week long. Uh, I remember uh, when you when you walked in, I said, "All right, tell me your title. What is it you do?" And you said. Well, yeah, I am a exercise physiologist, and I was like, okay, all right, that's above my pay grade to know, even know what that means, but it sounds like you went to a lot of school. Tell us what that means and what you do, Jeff. Exercise physiology is essentially the study of uh, exercise stress or various stresses on the uh, body, the okay. system, and the responses, and then uh, how we can assess and, and uh, prescribe from that. Okay, so we're, we're talking... Uh, I guess you're an expert on, on what exercise works for, specifically for, for, for different people, right? Because not everyone can do the same exercise and be successful. Right. And how exercise affects different systems in the body. Hmm. And, you know, we inventory that during assessments, and then we're, uh, we can do some prescription, appropriate and safe prescription for individuals based on their uh, background and health histories. It's kind of dumb, but when you think about it, you know, a hundred years ago, we were all working in fields and, and farming and, and, and working for a living. We didn't really need much exercise because our life was exercise. Life is different now. And a lot of us, myself included, sit here in a room and don't move for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours a day. So uh, exercise has taken on a whole new meaning for us, hasn't it? Yeah. And, I, you know, in a hundred years ago, some of the best athletes we had were in agriculture. We're yeah. our farmers. Uh, just because of what they had to do day in and day out. But then with industrialization, uh, the demand on the body changed, and we're seeing that in different uh, different ways right now. Let's get to, I'm going to turn your mic down for a second, Seth, uh, Jeff, and see if I, no, it's still going to be bumpy. So maybe I'll just have you guys share my mics for just a second. I want to bring Alan Christensen in 
and put that mic down and that one. All right, Alan, how are you, man? I'm great. How are you? Sorry for the technical problem. That's we'll get okay. those fixed hopefully during the break. But, Gotta love uh, technology. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's how it is. I have a little story about technology. When I was in college, this was years and years and years ago, my wife worked in the computer lab. She was a computer science major. And a lady came in to work on a paper. Now we're talking, you know, we're talking uh, late 80s, early 90s. Lady came in to work on a paper. She was in that lab for like four hours working on this big project. And uh, uh, the power went out right toward the end of that. And uh, my wife said to the lady, and she was freaking out. My wife said, well, that's fine. You saved it, right? And the lady's like, what are you talking about? She's like, you hit control S, right? At some point during your project, you saved it. And the lady was, no, anyway, she had a major come apart and freak out. And so, yes, technology can be a rough one. Uh, especially for those of, us that, those of us that don't save very often. But <laughs> well, that's why I think they developed the autosaver. Right? Autosave, yeah. Autosave is awesome. All right, Alan Christensen with the LiveWell Center. Uh, I was telling you when you first got here, I, I didn't even know LiveWell Center existed or what it was for or what it was all about. Tell us a little bit about what the LiveWell Center is, what it means, and, and, and why you guys are here. You know, I'd like to say that, you know, in the t- three years that I've been here, it's really for Intermountain Healthcare, it's the disease prevention and health promotion arm of the health system. Hmm. So we're really trying to keep people healthy and out of the hospital. And I think, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because usually, you know, when you think of a hospital, it's usually when you're going there only when you're sick or you need, you're in need of, uh, of some type of right. aspect in your health. But, you know, this is a completely different twist, but I think it's really the, the right direction that healthcare need, you know, needs to go uh, is really trying to figure out how we provide value in helping people stay healthy for the rest of their lives. Well, you know what? I remember in college taking one of the very first health classes I took. They said, you know, the the healthcare system in America is all about treating symptoms when it should be about, you know, get, you know, stopping these things in, in their tracks, preventing them from happening. Some of these problems that we have, obesity, et cetera, et cetera. And, and but we're not set up that way. So it's good to see we have some place like the Live Well Center that addresses it at that end of things because once we're in bad shape, whether it's obesity or, or whatever the problem is, then you really are just trying to do damage control. So it's it's cool to see that you guys are on the other end of it trying to stop it before it happens. Yeah, and I think it's in all aspects of life. We see people that come in that have, you know, chronic diseases and we're trying to figure out how they manage it, in some cases hopefully helping them to reverse it. Um, but, yeah, there's also for the, for, for me, you know, um, looking forward, it, it's it's – um, it's really nice to see, you know, the clients that we serve coming in on a regular basis and how it's impacting their lives. It's a good reminder to me of just how I'm continually um, putting that, that, I guess, that practice into play. Yeah, very cool. Uh, well, you talk about, you mentioned the four pillars. You talk a little bit about those because I want to spend just a couple of minutes on each thing and why they're important. So, yeah, give us an overview, first of all. Yeah, so I would say our pillars that we really try to focus on are around physical activity. You know, Jeff touched a little bit on that with the exercise component. Uh, nutrition being another, we have some dietitians on our staff that uh, focus on uh, primarily on that area. Uh, sleep and stress management. Okay, let's start... Why don't you give the mic back to Jeff here for a minute. Let's start and talk about uh, exercise, and then we'll talk about some of the other pillars that we really need to work on. Uh, how important is it, Jeff, in our sedentary life that we have, I hate to say it, but it, it really is, uh, how important is it that we find something that we can do every single day? Yeah, and so like we talked about earlier, I mean, the demands on our body have changed over the last hundred years and we really need to recognize what happens to our system 
when it's not challenged on a regular basis, whether it be daily activity or what have you. So there is a greater uh, importance for being active on a daily basis. And that can be from just what happens with the heart and the lungs into the periphery with uh, keeping the vascular walls supple in response to the, you know, um, give and go of the body when it has demands placed on it, and then we need to recover and be able to go again. So that's kind of what we're prepping the body to do when we partake in regular exercise, is that we're always just kind of priming the system so that when we do encounter stresses in the day, that we can handle and then recover from those uh, better without being such a overall stress on the system. One of the problems that, that we have, Jeff, is is it becomes a vicious cycle in, in failure. And I don't mean failure like not winning the race, but I mean, for instance, say I I recently had a foot injury. I wasn't able to, the doctor said, no, no, no exercise. You can't do anything that involves your feet for, and it ended up being 16 weeks. And of course, I gained some weight. I wasn't able to do the things that I like to do to exercise. And then once you gain weight, all of a sudden it hurts more to do those things that mm-hmm. you used to like to do. And then you gain more weight. And then all of a sudden I don't want to do it because I'm tired and it hurts and, and I'm hungry and whatever. Uh, is there a way to break a cycle like that? Yeah, there's something uh, I call it the deconditioning cycle. Okay. And at some point, and we all have different thresholds in regards to this, but at some point it might be a life event or something with a family member where we actually just kind of put our foot down and say, this needs to stop. Yeah. Okay. And hopefully we do it before it's a significant medical event like a heart attack or something sure. like that. Hopefully we just start noticing that, yeah, I'm fatiguing early. Maybe I've gained a few pounds over the holidays, what have you. Right. But the sooner we can intervene in that cycle and just stop and then re-engage with regular physical activity and the stuff that Alan's talking about with sleep and nutrition, uh, the better off we're going to be in the long run. So it's about uh, almost having a, not a crisis, maybe a, 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 an epiphany, an, some kind of big something to happen. And you hope that it's not a heart attack. A lot of heart attacks, you have one and you're done. There, there is no more exercise to do because, because you know, they, what do they call them, widowmakers sometimes? But, mm-hmm. uh, okay, so how can we, uh, Jeff, get to that point where we want to, we have the desire to, and we have the ability to put our foot down before it becomes a physical crisis? Well, I think part of it is just educating yourself, seeking counsel, whether it be family or st- staff like we have at the Live Well Center, just to help educate people. And sometimes it's just because we don't know. You know, we might not recognize the path that we're going down until we have that significant event. But sometimes I think if you seek counsel with people who, you know, spend time in this field they can maybe bring to light some things that might change uh, how you're feeling about your your habits and and get you on the right track sooner. Mm, Man, I'll tell you, and and we're talking about some hard decisions that need to be made sometimes. And, I mean, it's hard to give up Twinkies and stuff like that, right? I mean, we we love our sweets, uh, and you don't have to. I think Dr. Blodgett reminds me of this. You don't have to give that stuff up. It's about moderation. It's about controlling it and not overdoing it. I know we all overdo it at times. So uh, physical activity, incredibly important. Now, let's talk about the different types of physical activity. You know, we're taught in, in, you know, junior high school, you need aerobic activity. You've got to get, you know, where your blood's pumping and your heart's beating and and stuff. That's good. I agree. But that, that is hard, especially as you age. Are there other activities maybe that will do almost as good that you maybe 
you won't quite have to work as hard for, Jeff? Well, I think through the lifespan, there are, you know, real basic tenets of what physical activity should be. You know, it mm-hmm. should always be cardiovascular health. It should always be strengthening. It should always be flexibility. And then what we've kind of developed at the Livewell Center is maybe um, specialties that include balance and fall prevention, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Uh, no matter where you're at in the lifespan, though, there are essential tenets to what physical physical fitness should be. Sure. So we, we always pursue cardiovascular health because, again, it's a systemic. You know, you think heart, lungs, vascular supply. We want, we want that, you know, from the warehouse to distribution. We want the nutrients. We want oxygen to get to where they need to go so we can function optimally. But then we also have strength, and that's just our ability to generate the forces for us to do what we need to do in a given day, okay? And sometimes people take it the next stage where maybe they want to participate in a, in a little more uh, strenuous activity, whether it be running or biking or stuff like that. At the Live Well Center, we have the assessment tools where we can help you with that, with VO2 assessments and functional fitness assessments. So we can establish some baselines and give you some direction on that. But we also have balance specialists. And then also, like I said, flexibility would be the other basic tenet that you should always keep in mind. Because we're talking about range of motion of various joints in the body. And the less active we are, it's kind of a, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. The less active you are, in a very gradual and subtle way, we start losing that range of motion in those joints. And then all of a sudden, maybe we reach the wrong way in the kitchen one day, and all of a sudden I've got a low back issue just because those tissues haven't been stretched to that point in quite a while. So on a regular basis, if we can keep doing some flexibility and some stretching, we can reduce our chance of getting injured just doing our daily activities. Something like yoga help even guys, Absolutely, yeah? Absolutely. And we have wonderful instructors with Shanda and uh, the rest of our crew at the Live Well Center for that. Okay. Now, uh, you're, one of your specialties, one of the things we wanted you here to talk about was golf. How, how does golf fit into all this? Oh, golf is wonderful. Is it? Okay. Yes. And especially, you know, for me, I'm uh, a former, uh, well, athlete's a generous term, but <laughs> I, I mean, I played Athletic. some ba- Yeah, I <laughs> played basketball, and you guys were talking about tennis, and we grew up playing or you guys were playing, talking about pickleball, but we played tennis growing up Me just too, to help yeah. us with basketball. Okay. Yeah. And so, but as you get a little older, I mean, to me, the social component of what you're doing activity-wise becomes more important. That's one of the inherent uh, parts of golf is, you know, you're outside, it's physical, cart, maybe walking, um, but you're socially engaged with different people, and it's a, it's a great way to you know, just keep the social component alive uh, well, in, well into your uh, active years. That's, and that's exactly why I kind of gravitated toward pickleball a little bit is there's a big-time social aspect. I mean, you always play doubles. You know, there's always two other people on the other side. And then usually, like I, I have a group that plays on Wednesday nights. We get about 16 people playing all at once and, you know, on, on different courts. And, and the social aspect is important with exercise. You're, you're absolutely right there, Jeff. Yeah, there's an old adage in golf that says you learn as much golfing nine holes with a person as you do working with them nine years. Hmm. Wow. So just because of what a person is exposed to, how they react to things beyond their control, 
you know, most of the time in golf, 90, 90 some percent of the time in golf, things are not going your way. <laughs> so how do you respond to that? 99 for me. But yeah. 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 So, but that, that kind of uh, sheds some light onto the social component of the game. Okay. Now, did you have, I, I forget, Alan, did he have a tournament coming up or what, some kind of golf thing going on? So we, there's just some educational classes that we have oh, that cool. are free to the community. And so we wanted to make sure that, you know, the listeners have the opportunity, especially if they're, you know, avid golfers, um, to be able to learn from an expert, you know, in the field who's certified with the Titleist Performance Institute, um, as well as our, you know, learn more about our, our golf program assessments that we do, as, our, as well as our classes. Now tell us about these, these free classes. What exactly are, are they about? Uh, what, what am I going there to learn and what would make me want to go? So, Andy, we're going to offer something called a, a, a fall primer. And oh, primer. Um, I, okay. previously, we've done it in the spring. And I, I, we use the term primer as just kind of a, a reacquaintance, kind of a return to the golf season type of uh, workshop where we can review uh, basic aspects, of the physical aspects of the golf swing. Okay. And then maybe offer... Uh, some insight into the data that the Titleist Performance Institute out in Oceanside, California has developed as far as some of the uh, most common swing faults and some of the risks, the physical risks that come with those swing faults. So once we do that, uh, that overview, then we can offer some basic uh, stretches and then also give a plug to the uh, golf fitness program at Live Well, where we can do really a, a very deep dive into the physical uh, aspect of uh, the golf swing. I love it. Fall primer uh, in St. George, like in Las Vegas, things are a little bit backwards. We tend to not golf all summer because it's so dead gum hot, but then winter comes and where everybody else is shutting down up north, we're out there hitting the links. Um, what would you do with uh, someone who had a major problem with their golf swing? I'm thinking Charles Barkley. I don't know if you've ever seen his. Uh, that's about as bad a golf swing as there that's, is out there. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's again, that's above my pay scale. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. We have specialists for that. Um, but, no, we um, – so what we do in the golf fitness program, though, there are really three basic components to it. Um, we do a video – a snapshot of your swing, looking at various postures oh, and cool. positions in the swing. Mm -hmm. And then we're fortunate enough to have a 3D motion capture where we actually place wow. sensors on your body and we can look at the sequencing in your swing. That'll tease out things that we cannot pick up on the video. And then the last piece is probably the, the deep dive physically, and that's the uh, Titleist Performance Institute physical screen. So... We look from head to toe, we're looking at the joints that should be mobile versus the joints that should be stable in that, we call it the kinetic chain of the golf swing. Much like a, a pitcher throwing the ball or mm -hmm. a batter swinging at the ball, there's a kinetic chain or kinetic linking that goes on. And when we do that assessment, we can see, are you strong where you should be strong and are you flexible where you should be flexible? So in, in a golf swing, should the motion be exactly the same every time, depending on what club you're swinging? Uh, repeatable is good, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, there are basic positions that we look at that you should be able to get into each time. Okay. Because the shaft length changes, you know, uh, some parts of it may change a little bit, but there are basic postures that we look at you should be able, that should be repeatable for you. 
One of my issues uh, over the years in golf was I never never did get custom golf clubs. I'm a pretty tall guy. I probably needed longer clubs than I've ever used before, but I never, like I said, I never wanted to spend enough money to get custom clubs, and so I was I would have to lean over to hit the ball. Yeah, and one of the things that we're trying to do is establish that relationship with the area courses that, you know, we're assessing the physical capacity of the golf swing, and then we're encouraging uh, participants in the program than then to go out and talk with their local golf pro and then work a little deeper with positioning and timing of the swing. That's that's where, you know, their uh, bag of tools will really come in handy when you have a PGA professional yeah. looking at your swing. Very, very cool. Are you a good golfer, by the way, Jeff? I like the golf. You like the golf. So you, you do it a lot is what you're saying? I like I'm I'm about a 10 handicap so oh, that nice. I but I like the golf, you know, that depends on depends on the day. I'm sure everybody can relate. <laughs> when when uh, years ago I was in the Nevada Pro Am uh and uh I it was funny cuz I was kind of I don't remember how it worked out, but they, 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 they didn't have me assigned to a foursome yet. And I had three or four foursomes that wanted me on their team. And I'm like, hey, this is really cool. Everybody wants me to golf with them. And I found out they needed a high handicapper, a guy, a duffer, so they could, you know, have their, their average score or whatever work out better. That was why they wanted me on their team. So. It's nice to be wanted, though. Yeah. It was a scramble, and I think they used maybe three or four of my shots the whole time. But uh, I can putt at least. There you go. Here's a miniature golf go. means I can putt a little bit. So, all right, uh, let's get a, a weather break in here uh, in the program. We're talking with Alan and Jeff from the Live Well Center. Uh, we'll get a weather break in. We come back. We'll try and fix some of our microphone issues, and uh, we've got about the ten or fifteen minutes more with these guys. I also have a guest coming up at about nine forty-five this morning. Uh, who? Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you too much about it, but he's got a very fascinating story in a book out. We'll talk with him, and uh, we'll finish with these guys when we come back. Stay tuned. We're interactive on the Andy Griffin Show. Call in, Call in at 673-5890 or text in at 435-467-5842. Let your voice be heard on the Andy Griffin Show. Welcome back. I'm Andy. Thanks for tuning in today. I've got a couple of guests with me. Uh, Jeff Kennedy is our golf guru from the Livewell Center. Alan Christensen also with us. we got Alan all set up in the other studio, and uh, I think we can hear you now, right, Alan? I hope so. Oh, yeah, you sound fantastic, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Jeff, we were talking about golf and uh, your fall primer. Tell us a little bit about when and where and how. Well, we have four nights uh, dedicated to this. These presentations are free. Uh, we just ask that you call the Live Well Center just to uh, register. Um, these will be at the Select Health Auditorium on the uh, St. George Medical Campus. Uh, they will be on Tuesday and Thursday nights. The dates are November 9th, 11th, 16th, or 18th. Just one of those nights. We're going to be available all four nights from 6 to 7 p.m. at the Select Health Auditorium on the uh, St. George Medical Campus. And the best idea? Intermountain. Best idea, go to the website or give you guys a call? What's What do you think, Alan? Um, I would say, you know, giving us a call would be the easiest. Uh, the phone number for that is 435-251-3793, and you'll get uh, in touch with one of our front office that will all be able to direct and kind of get everything because we're, we're trying to get people signed up um, just to maintain uh, social distancing practices with the uh, still uh, regulations that we have within our health system. 
251-3793. That's the local area code here. So, uh, yeah, give them a call. It's free, folks. My favorite word, maybe in the whole language, is a, is a F-R-E-E. I wanted to talk, Alan, a couple of minutes with you, and we'll bring Jeff in, too, on this. But uh, we talked about the four pillars, and I was sitting there assessing myself, and I do pretty good on two out of the four. And I'm guessing that you guys have found out that uh, we all have weaknesses in certain areas, huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think that's one of the benefits of working at the Live Well Center on a daily basis where I get to, you know, interact with people and really realize where I can make improvements for myself. So talk about the four pillars again, and uh, and let's uh, let's kind of get into a couple of them. I know stress was part of, you know, the mental side of things and stress. Uh, I don't know. I'm a pretty mellow guy. I don't get real stressed, but I know that that's a big part of people's lives. Yeah, and I think we've probably um, here locally have recognized that even just with the the pandemic, um, just with some of the the regulations and us being you know isolated, um, it has been very uh, stress provoking. And so um, I know from the hospital side, our our caregivers who are are putting in um, a lot of efforts um, on the front line are dealing with burnout as well. So it's not only people out in the community, but also within the, the walls of our hospital uh, that are dealing with this problem. All right. Talk uh, about number two, uh, sleeping better. Uh, those that, That's one area I'm really struggling. I get, I come to work at 4.30 in the morning, and so my, I'm not getting enough sleep. What, what can not getting enough sleep really do to a person? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of factors. I mean, each of us that are listening probably can think about the times where we don't get a lot of sleep. You don't, you're not as productive during the day. Mm. Um, you can feel really sluggish. I think it's really easy to, uh, you know, it kind of bleeds into physical activity, you know, maybe nutrition, you know, also stress management. They all kind of work uh, together. I mean, they all kind of, if you're, you're, not, you're not playing, uh, if you're not, you know, working into one aspect of health, I think it really can affect the other areas as well. We have uh, Jeff here is an exercise physiologist. Can you explain maybe, Jeff, how the other three things fit into the exercise? We're talking about not enough sleep, getting good nutrition, managing stress. Uh, how do those fit in with the, the fourth pillar, the physical activity side? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm going to just kind of take off what Alan was talking about with sleep there. I mean, the term that I relate with sleep more, more often than not is restorative. Mm. I mean, especially if you're physically active, if you have physically demanding, even mentally demanding uh, job, the restorative quality of sleep is so critical to how you come back the next day. And so with athletes, I mean, you look at some of the commercials on TV, I mean, some of these guys are doing, you know, advertisements for sleep number beds. Mm-hmm. And they're understanding the importance of you know, working hard and playing hard, but then at night you need to get that restorative sleep so you can come back and perform well the next day. And and I think what exercise does, it kind of lays into maybe making you uh, pleasantly fatigued so that it's easier for you to go to sleep at night, Hmm. you know, and get that sleep. So there's a nice kind of give and take with physical activity and sleep in that respect. I heard once that... uh if you can't fall asleep, that's a bad thing, obviously. If you fall asleep really, really fast, that's probably a bad thing, too, because you're probably not getting enough sleep. Does that make sense? Is that true? Yeah, I think that I think there's something to say about that. Um, I've definitely been in moments where, you know, as soon as I get the kids down to bed and I, I sit Boom, on the couch for out. a minute, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think when you when you have a lack of sleep or deprivation, you're, you're – 
you're trying to make that up in some way, you know, and somehow. And so again, it just kind of affects overall your day-to-day work when you're not getting your sleep. And I think that's something that we're all probably guilty of in in the current circumstances in our world where, you know, we're trying to do more with less and, you know, you're balancing home, work, school, you know, uh, golf game maybe for some. It's just, yeah, I think there's so many things that go into that that I think the easiest area where we sacrifice is our sleep. We're talking about uh, kind of ways to live well, right? By the way, I'm, I don't know the answer to this. I'm, this is a cold question. You, you, in Live Well Center, it's L, lowercase i, capital V, lowercase e. Does that, is there some significance to that? What does that mean? Um, you know, I asked that question when I first came on, um, and I guess I'll spill the dirty little secret. You know, I think there's so many things about the, that are trademark online with Live Well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like to say it was something cool like V for vi- vitality. Um, but <laughs> yeah. really what it comes down to is it's, it's, it separates us from anything else that's live okay. well related. That, that's fair enough. That's a good answer. Uh, the four pillars, uh, managing stress, better sleep, good nutrition, and we've got physical activity. Uh, and Jeff's kind of a specialist in that one. Uh, tie in, Jeff, if you will, physical activity and good nutrition. Um, is it okay? Hey, hey! I worked out for an hour. I got really sweaty and worked out really hard. I'm going to go have a pizza. You know, is that okay? Well, <laughs> I, again, it depends on what you're what you're trying to get out of your workouts and what your goals are. Mm-hmm. So there might be some uh, nutritional guidelines on that. But you know, what you put into the system dictates how well the system's going to perform. So if we're putting in garbage, chances are the system's not going to perform well. Uh-oh. And to expect anything different, I think, you know, we're kind of kidding ourselves. So, you know, um, doing your background, maybe talking with a registered dietitian, which we have at the Live Well Center, those are the people that are enormous resources as far as, if not maybe solving some of the challenges you have because you, cha- uh, you travel or what have you, but also if you have athletic goals when it comes to maybe doing a 5k or a long bike ride hmm. you know there are strategies that you can you you can make part of your training to help you train well because if you train well likely you're going to perform well so don't compromise your training just because you're not eating well so it translates from one thing to the next one of the things you hear about here in this town where we have the marathon and the Ironman is carbo-loading. Uh, I know the answer to this because I, I remember studying this in college, but can you explain what carbo-loading is and why extreme athletes do it? Well, yeah, and I think it, it was maybe more, uh, maybe a higher-profile topic uh, a number of years ago, but it's still, you know, the carbohydrate component of the diet is still very critical. Mm-hmm. But with, um, you think of the... Uh, substrates that we burn at different activity levels. Um, you know, carbohydrates is, tends to be a little more uh, readily available. Fats is kind of like driving through Salt Lake to get to St. George. You're going to get there, but it takes forever. <laughs> and then yeah. we have the free fatty acids and, and uh, the glycogen stores. We can get into that too. But anyway, it's just kind of, again, what are your goals as far as performance? And then that you kind of work backwards into your training as far as, okay, what type of training do I need to do? And then what are my nutritional requirements to support that kind of training so that it work, you know, it translates into a good performance for you? Yeah, and I would even say that, you know, uh, there's a lot of misconceptions on diet. You know, there's a lot of fads. 
And, you know, the reality of that that part of the at the Live Well Center is that education component of having dietitians who understand really where the fads are and helping people, you know, work through that. You know, I think we're not here to dictate what should be done, but we're really here to help inform and educate so the individual can make a better informed decision. Um, You know, we also have assessments that we do where we do a resting metabolic rate you know, help individual understand how many calories they're burning at rest. And that can change dictated on their exercise, you know, increase. Um, and so it's always helpful to have that information at hand. And I think that's what we're trying to do is to be a resource to help people understand those four pillar components and, you know, you know, supplement that with data, you know, that is relevant to help them steer of really where they want to go, going back to, uh, you know, Jeff's point about where their goals are. One of the things that's on your website, we only have a minute and a half left, but I wanted to ask you, uh, Alan, is brain health. Um, you, you know, you've got a whole segment on your website about brain health, and uh, I think that in today's modern society, brain health is, is you know, it, it's a real factor. We see so, much, so many people with anxiety and depression and all these, all these different things. What do you guys do as far as brain health over at the Live Well Center? Well, we, had a, we have a program uh, that really tries to tie in and bring in subject matter experts around areas. You know, I think dementia and Alzheimer's is, is continually on the rise. And I think um, for a lot of individuals who maybe have a loved one or someone they know has gone through this, it's mm-hmm. scary to it realize is. that you're kind of losing your own identity. And so what are the things that can be done on a lifestyle basis that can help prevent, you know, prevent that? Um, especially if that's something that you're susceptible to. And so, you know, this goes back to the idea of how does this go into nutrition and mindfulness, um, stress management, sleep, um, all these things that we talked about today really are are uncovered and going to the science and understanding of how this interplays with your overall brain fitness. Nice, nice. I love it. Uh, I wish we had more time. I think we could talk all day about this, but uh, Jeff Kennedy, Alan Christensen, guys, thanks for coming in. Tell us one more time, Jeff, on the uh, on the fall primer. Yeah, the fall primer would be at the Select Health Auditorium, uh, November 9th, 11th, 16th, and 18th. You can just choose one of those nights at six o'clock. Call the Live Well Center to uh, register, and it's free. Phone number one more time, Alan. Four three five two five one. Uh, 3793. Guys, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. KDXU News Time is 945. Got to get a break in. Got a special guest coming up. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Andy Griffin on the Andy Griffin Show, 949 on KDXU. Squeezing a special guest in here late in the program. And, uh, yeah, let's welcome Bill to the program. Uh, William Halal, am I saying your name right, your last name? Yes, yes that's good. Thank you, Andy. Uh, uh, it was a shot in the dark. I, I'm glad I got close. Anyway, uh, William is a Ph.D., uh, offers a, a special perspective on how to understand our world. Uh, and he's an author as well. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, Bill. Well, I'm a professor at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. And tell, and, okay, and tell me about your book. We're, we're talking about consciousness in today's, uh, well, talking about social evolution. What, what is all this t- uh, talking about? Yeah. I was fascinated well, when I first read it. Well, this is a, a, uh, a welcomed uh, uh, counter to the gloom that is everywhere. People think the world is coming to an end. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. And this uh, the book shows that we're really entering a new stage of social evolution it's beyond knowledge. The knowledge age has been a great success. But it's automated all of this knowledge work, and now we're moving to the next 
uh, stage in this hierarchy, which is consciousness. Everything beyond knowledge is, by definition, consciousness. And you can see it now in the what I call the post-factual phenomena, all of this is madness where people uh, believe things that have no basis in reality. Mm-hmm. Like on the left, it's, it's a, a ca- uh, cancel culture and all of that sort of thing. And on the right, it's the election wasn't, was stolen and so forth. So that's a, a, a sign of it, but it's much more than that. And um, uh, it, it also forces us to address these enormous problems, uh, these crises, uh, by uh, un- by uh, taking on a a mental shift, a mindset. We need a different mindset. Hmm. I think of as global consciousness if we're going to get through these terrible crises. You know, I, I I've said this on this program before, but I firmly believe you can form just about any opinion you want. You could say the the sky is purple or the sky is, yeah. is is green, and you can find a website and some kind of facts uh, in their mind facts out there to back up your position. How does that fit into all this? Because uh, it, it seems like truth is so hard to find. Reality is so hard to find. Well, that's precisely the the, the point that we we move beyond knowledge. That's exactly what's going on. Yeah, knowledge is is everywhere. We don't need any more knowledge, and then we move beyond that, and. Uh, this means we're in an age of consciousness right now, but it's not the enlightenment that we would have liked to have had. It's, it's, it's a problematic, which is always the case when you have a big flood of information. The printing press, the invention, the invention of the printing press, introduced decades of war and the Protestant Reformation, and that's what we're doing now. We're struggling with all of this information being spewed out from the digital revolution. It's so so much information out there, and and it seems like too it's coming at us so fast all the time. Uh, it, it, you know, I mean, you just take ten minutes and browse, you know, browse the internet or Facebook or whatever, whatever you know, browse the websites that you like, the the news websites, and you have all this this information that's just smacking you in the face. So tell me again about about consciousness. How does that how does that fit? How do we go beyond uh, all this information that's being thrown at us? Well, I think we we need a new uh, a new way of thinking about the world we live in. Right now, where the present uh, mindset is dominated by money, power, and self interest, that kind of thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and that that's not going to get us anywhere. If if that holds, we're not going to have a civilization. the The problems are so enormous, you know, climate change, and the pandemic, and all that, that it requires a different mentality. That's that's what the book is about. And I think we see signs of that happening around us. For instance, the fact that the corporation is moving beyond profit alone into a new domain where they uh, accept the need to serve social interests as well as making money. That's revolutionary. I wouldn't have thought that would ever happen. But it's here. If we can get this right, we will have a business world that solves social needs as well as making money. That that's really uh, part of a global consciousness, I would say. Is that a priority thing, though? Won't always won't their motivation still always be money first? Well, I don't think it has to be that at all. You know, uh, there is a element in every society that of business people who do this. They've been doing it all along. Um, in uh, Ikea's like that, Johnson & Johnson in our country. In Spain, it's the Mondragon. 
but they've always been relegated to the, the margins because the business culture uh, doesn't uh, agree with that. So it's, I think now it's got to move into the mainstream, and that would really be remarkable. It would, it would change the, the, the entire character of our culture. It would teach people how to collaborate because that's what it's about, cooperation, and that's what the world needs so badly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, when, when I went to college, the, you know, I had two goals. I wanted to find a career that I liked, and I wanted to find a career that would make a lot of money. As my kids have gone to college now, I have three, uh, three of them who have uh, finished up with their college uh, educations. Their goals were not the same as mine. They didn't want to find a job that would make lots of money. They, their goal wasn't to, to get rich and comfortable, although I'm in radio. I never got there anyway. But uh, their goal was to, they wanted jobs where they could help people. Is that kind of the, the, going down the yeah. same path? I think that's right. I think the young generation, I think, understands this intuitively. Hmm. They, they don't have a problem with uh, races, different races, different uh, sexual orientations, none of that stuff. And I think they do have uh, loftier goals. I think that's true. They're the first global citizens, I would say. Hmm. Very well said. Now, what is uh, the crisis of global maturity? What does that mean? Well, that's the, the climate uh, crisis, uh, the uh, pandemics. Inequality is a terrible problem. It, it's, it's hurting us in, in all ways. It, it even hurts the economy because people have to have money if you want to thrive in the economy. And so there's, we've done study this. We find about 17 trends that are driving all of these crises. And it's, it's the crisis of maturity because this is what we have to survive as a civilization if we want to have a sustainable world. It's, it's like a teenager growing up. You know, they do all kinds of dumb things until mm-hmm. it gets so bad that they finally realize they have to grow up, become <laughs> responsible, and do the right thing. That's where we are as a civilization, I would say. Nothing like having to pay rent your first time. That will bring reality into focus exactly. very, very quickly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and the question is, how much pain are we going to tolerate before we change as, you know, as, a, as a civilization? Because the pain is going to increase. Climate change is getting worse. And the next few years, I think you're going to see it really reach uh, alarming proportions. So uh, we talk, you know, you talk about in your book uh, a revolution, mental, spiritual revolution. Does a revolution have to take place for where, for us to get where you think we need to go? Yeah, I think so. I think we need a, a, a revolution of thought, and I see it happening. As I say, you know, the corporation changing, and there are lots of other. The Me Too movement is part of that. Black Lives Matter is part of that, and the recent revolt of workers against their working conditions. Amazing. I mean, people have decided because of the pandemic that they don't want to go to work five days a week. They (laughs) they want to go to work two or three days a week and work at home two or three days a week. It's revolutionary. Yeah, as long as they work, that's that's one of the other issues, unfortunately. we got people that don't want to work at all. That that is a problem. Well, yeah, you have to hold people accountable, no question about that. Yeah. That can be done. So I think the, the, the beginnings of this change are uh, around us, but they're just the beginnings, Andrew. And I, I think as the pain gets worse, I think we could see a, a big shift in, in mental outlook this decade. I know it sounds awfully optimistic, but, uh, and the, the gloom is so thick out there, but there's hope. I, I think that's my main message. If you understand what's going on from the point of view of evolution, you can see how this could work out, and I think could happen. We could be surprised it could happen anytime soon. 
All right. The book the book is called Beyond Knowledge, How Technology is Driving an Age of Consciousness. And we all need a little more. Well, we all need a lot more consciousness. He's uh, Dr. William Halal. Uh, doctor, uh, I call you doctor, PhD. That's doctor, right? That counts. Um, but uh, how was, I know you've written several books. How was the, the process in this book? Right, We only got about a minute left, but I, I'm curious because I'm an author too. Uh, was it cathartic for you? Was it uh, difficult to pull this book out of yourself? Oh, this, this, this was four or five years of, of uh, agonizing work, yeah. But I think I've done it. I think it's a good book. It's a good read. It's an important book. I hope your, your readers will consider it. By the way, they could go to beyondknowledge.org, and they'll see a synopsis of the book, beyondknowledge.org. And then other places we could, if we want to buy the book, uh, the, the yeah, usual suspects? Yeah, yeah. Very good. Thank you so much for coming on today. It was quick, but I love talking to you. Thank you so much, Andrew. Bye-bye. All right. We'll see you later. Dr. William Halal. Uh, the book, again, Beyond Knowledge, How Technology is Driving an Age of Consciousness. It was a, a fascinating, you know, as I, as I got the promo materials on that, it was fascinating. And then I, I wanted to set up a, a long interview because he and I don't agree on all points. Uh, and and instead, I, they got back to me and said, yeah, you got 10 minutes with him. I was like, well... Ten minutes is that's that's the tip of the iceberg. But anyway, fascinating guy. Check out his book. Read a synopsis at least online at beyondknowledge.com. Gotta go.